up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Ray also, seven assists, so he's involved in a lot of the offense. Oh, McCoy with a one-hand tip jam. Hey, now, say now. Strickland having to carry a heavy load tonight with... Wood saddle with fouls. Dugas spinning in the lane. Extends. Oh, yeah. Finishes. Oh, yeah. with 23. All has 22. Strickland. All both with behind me. Oh. Possession. Oh, strong. 17 offensive rebounds in this game. Strickland down the lane. Switches to oh. the left. He's having a night, ladies and gentlemen. Kabubu with 16 on the shot clock. Woods, quite offensive night. Sets up Strickland. Three on the way. Yes! So for those of you that heard that clip right there, um, that was a little bit of color commentary I was able to do here within the last few weeks with the Portland State men's basketball team. I would give y'all a hey now, say now to start the podcast, but you already heard me say it in the clip. Gave him a good hey now, say now. Absolutely. But I just wanted to kind of play that clip really in appreciation for not only Portland State University, um, but my alma mater, Pacific University, um, it's crazy because on Valentine's Day, this was actually my second year working with Pacific University, but as far as Portland State is concerned, on Valentine's Day, I came and I commentated and was on the call for my first game with Portland State, and the season wasn't looking so promising. They were 4-8 and eight at the time in Big Sky Conference play. The team just wasn't really shooting it well. Just all around wasn't really playing that well. Didn't seem as if they had much to play for. Once you're 4-8 in conference play, you're pretty deep in the hole. Now, in that conference, everybody gets a shot at playing in the conference tournament. But as far as the trajectory of your season is concerned, you're pretty deep in the hole. And it doesn't seem like there's going to be much hope for the remainder of the season once you put yourself in that position. Facts, facts. So like I said, I started on Valentine's Day, and I come in and I do the game. And the first game that I'm on the call for with them, they look great. <laughs> Honestly, like, they just flat out look good. The they game came out. At? You came to that oh, game? Yeah, no, yeah that they, was, they did look real good. They look great. They yeah. came out. They balled hard. They did what it was that they had to do. Then going forward, I commentate another game, and what do you know? They win again. And they look good again. And they look good again. And then they go on the road. They play a couple of games on the road. And the first game on the road, what do you know? They win again. And then they play another game on the road a couple days after that. And unfortunately, they lose on a buzzer beater three-pointer. Then they get to come back home for a home game stretch, win all those games. And basically, I say all that to say they finished – on, they finished the season, the regular season, winning seven out of their last eight games. They went from four and eight in conference play and finished conference play 11 and nine. Mm. They also earned themselves a bye game in the first round of the conference tournament. Totally not expected when I came in to help out and do things uh, on Valentine's Day. But I'll also say every game that I was on the call for, God dang it, they won. So, I mean, was you the good luck or what? Nothing against taking away from that. Because I've seen them. They had yeah. some balling games. They did good. Absolutely. But, like, mean, they did great. Was you the X Factor? Uh, I, I'll be politically correct here, and I'll give the coaches the credit. Most importantly, right. I'll give the players the credit. Facts. Because the players were the ones that were on the court and that got the job done during that seven of eight game 
um, streak, that stretch that they went on. And it was just, like I said, it was great all around. The Viking Pavilion was just phenomenal. It was their first year playing in the Beautiful Viking Pavilion. Too. Great, great place to play. It was their first year playing there. So um, I definitely think that had an effect as well. So you got to give credit to the fan base as well. But don't you dare think that I won't give myself at least a little bit of that credit yeah, for maybe, coming in there, changing the culture, changing the dynamic, and the team going out and winning some games. It was one game, actually, that they won. It was probably like after the fifth straight or something like that. And uh, after the game, we always do a post-game interview with their head coach over there. And he comes over, and before he puts the headset on to do the post-game interview, he's like, hey, man, we haven't lost a game since you've been on the call here. I said, you know what, Coach? You got dang right you haven't. So you but, you wasn't the only one that noticed it. <laughs> no, I wasn't the only one that noticed it. And, right. and granted, granted, I promoted it. I was promoting the team. I was promoting myself on the call for people to be able to watch and listen to me do my thing there. But it was just a great all-around experience. Now, they did get to the conference tournament, and they lost in the first round. Uh, not the first round. They got a bye in the first round, so they went straight to playing the quarterfinal game. They lost in the quarterfinal game to Weber State, who ultimately ended up going to play in the conference championship game but fell to Montana. But like I said, it was just so much fun being able to come there, brand new gym, first year playing at it, uh, my first time actually being on the call for Division I basketball. I've covered plenty of Division I basketball. Heck, I even covered plenty of NBA basketball. Um, but as far as me being on the call, the only place that I'd had experience doing so was at my alma mater, Pacific University, where I played at. So to be able to kind of move on up just a little bit and go do what I got to do for Portland State this year was really, really dope. We already so, looking forward to next season. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, oh, you know, hopefully they bring me back to come hang out a little bit more and be on the call for them bring a little bit more. Bring me back. Bring me back. Y'all see for what sure. the numbers do. The numbers did well. The they numbers, don't lie. And they don't lie. The numbers <laughs> did well and they don't lie. But ultimately, I still want to... Give a shout-out to Valerie Cleary, who is the athletic director there at Portland State. Um, Want to give a shout-out to Mike Lund, who is the sports information director there. My guy, Matt Rickard, who is the voice of the Portland State Vikings and who invited me over because of some of the work that we got to do together at Pacific University. Got to give him a huge shout-out for that. Um, but, yeah, just everybody. And head coach uh, Barrett Peary as well. Barrett Peary, um, it was his first year. I mean, not his first year, but um, I remember meeting him coming into his first year as the head coach of the Portland State Vikings. And he's been doing really well in these last couple of years and kind of, you know, just changing around that program and coming in and really putting his stamp and his mark on that team. And you got to see some of the flashes of what it is that he can produce there. And I'm not just saying that because of what I saw there, but I know he came from a national junior college before he went there, and he actually coached one of my yeah. good friends that I grew up playing with, Gary Williams. Absolutely, um, he's a rapper now, known as Glizzy Williams. But <laughs> Glizzy. he coached him. Yeah, what, he, what, uh, where was that at? Ah, I forget. I think it was no, called what, like what, what state? It was deep. It was somewhere else, right? It was somewhere, yeah, on the Saint other part Luton, of the country. But it remember, was. I think yeah. the school was called like Indian Hills yep, College yep, or something right, like that. I right. think it was called Indian Hills. Off the top of my head, don't remember what state it was in, I but it definitely it wasn't on this side yeah. of the country. Right. But um. But yeah, I know that he did a great job there. So I had a little bit more insight from a player perspective on what kind of a coach Coach Perry was coming into this whole situation. I met him playing in a celebrity golf tournament. Um, hadn't really spoke with him or reconnected with him since then. But 
Fortunately, I got to circle back and connect with them this season. And like I said, I got to see some of the flashes of the great things that they're going to do there. And I, I think that, like I said, with this new pavilion, with this new arena that they got there, you could really see the potential of that Portland State basketball program. And you really can foresee them taking leaps and bounds in that conference and ultimately becoming one of the better teams, if not the top team in that conference, as I was able to be on the call for the game where they actually beat the top team in that conference in the University of Montana. So, like I said, hopefully, you know, next year I get to come back around and get to hang out over there. And like I said, I do want to give also another shout-out to my alma mater, Pacific University, that allowed me to work there with them again. Um, I, I also see, and I got to work with the men's and the women's at Pacific University, which was really dope. Um, huge shout-out to Danny Campbell, Sports Information Director there. Huge shout-out to both first-year head coaches at Pacific University. On the men's side, you got Justin Lunt. On the women's side, you got Alicia Wilson. Got to give them a shout-out. And like I said, just the whole Boxer Ohana, as we like to call ourselves, just the Boxer family. It's where I went and I played my college ball at, and it's definitely where I got my start and wanting to pursue what I do now as a broadcaster and working in media. So my connection to that place is forever. And yeah, just and got a lot of love And it's always a good vibe too. It's a lot of love through there. It's Absolutely. You see so many alumni connecting with the younger alumni. Yeah. You could just tell it's a genuine love there. People are very proud to be you know, Pacific boxers. So yeah. shout out to them too. Me as a big brother, I just see it from being in the atmosphere. So shout Absolutely. out to Pacific. Absolutely. Now, this is what we're going to do here. We're going to stick to basketball. But um, although I got to kind of tell you the great and glamorous side of the sport based on what I've been able to do this past year, really these past two years, but it was even doper this past year being able to work with both Pacific University and Portland State University. Um, D-Boy, you and I went to a game on Monday night. Mm. And that game was right here in our backyard in the city of Portland. Mm. Um, it was the Portland Trailblazers against the Brooklyn Nets. Now, it was a pretty fun game for the most part. I mean, you had a double overtime game. Yep. You had Damian Lillard going head-to-head -head with D'Angelo Russell, two all-star guards here in this league who really went at it that night as well. D'Angelo Russell, man, he, he put on the, the show. real deal. He put on the show. <laughs> he's like the real him. deal. He put on the show. Say what you want to yeah. about what he did to I, Nick Young I'm and Swaggy P on this and Iggy Azalea and all that good stuff. Say wrong. what you want to, but the man – has absolutely figured it out on, on the, the basketball court. Yeah, and everybody know. Everybody who knows me knows that I grew up a Laker fan my whole life, from the Kobe era to my dad being a Laker fan because of Magic Johnson. Lakers always been what I represented. And so seeing him play live, Brooklyn Nets versus the, uh, the Blazers, made me really miss him in L.A. I'm yeah. going to be honest. Yeah. That, that, like... Once he did the little cast stuff with uh with uh Swaggy, Swaggy P, P, Nick P, Young, and Nick Azalea. Yeah, once he did that, I was over him. But watching him ball live and up up close, man, I, I miss him in L.A. for real. Hey, he almost wiped that whole yeah, Swaggy say, P situation off his record. Off his record, yeah. <laughs> like, we almost forgot. Like, uh, yeah, he man. almost expunged it I because... Uh, but, yeah, his game uh, is yeah, I mean, for a lot. You know, a lot of people haven't forgotten, but that's definitely not the narrative surrounding him anymore, which it... 
very much so was, especially because that happened, and then he gets traded to Brooklyn, yeah. and it's just kind of it was just a bad negative, yeah, it was yeah. a negative narrative surrounding him. Brooklyn was because doing of all those the time, teams, so. worst team in the league yeah, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so he just had a real negative narrative surrounding his name. But I'll tell you, this year with what he's been able to do on the court, we, we don't even hear about it we anymore, forgot. which is not surprising in kind of this super fast. Uh, newsy culture that we live in, this on-demand culture that we live in when it comes to our news and what's happening in society. But got to give him his credit. D-Lo back to L.A. We forgive you. Now, the nasty part of the game <laughs> that we do have to discuss, mm. um, many many of you may have heard, some of you may have not. Or but, seen. Or seen. And if you didn't see, don't see. Yeah, if you didn't see, I, I, I at least I would say <laughs> see it at your own risk. Watch yeah, it at your own facts. risk. But don't say that you heard on the Wake Up and Win podcast that you should go see mm-hmm. what it is that we're getting ready to delve into. But Yusuf Nurkic, um, the center for the Portland Trailblazers, third leading scorer. And in fact, he was having a huge career night that night. Um, he pretty much dislocated a part of his knee or his leg, I should say, excuse me, his broke lower two leg. Broke parts of his leg. Broke two parts of his leg, his uh, fibula and his tibia. tibula. Tibia, excuse me, I said tibula, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm getting I, at. That's there. why I was right there for you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, and it was just a real unfortunate and a nasty injury. But like I said, D-Boy, you and I were there live. Mm. So I want your perspective of your experience being in the gym, in the arena live, and just kind of tell me what you saw, how you witnessed it, how the whole thing came about. And then I'll delve a little bit deeper into my experience being there live as well and seeing such an unfortunate and horrendous injury take place live. All right, so I'm going to first off start by saying that I go to a lot, and I mean a lot, of Portland Trailblazers home games. Well, you got the theme song. Exactly. Flaunt yeah, exactly. it a little bit. Flaunt I, you it, know what I mean? Yeah. I, Rip City by D-Boy LTD. Go check it out if you haven't already. There we go. But um, what I could say mostly, even from sports arenas to concert venues, I feel like once you get into those environments, it's almost like nothing else matters. You're locked in. It's a vibe. It's thousands of people around you. You're having a good time. That's what you're focused on, the task at hand. Right. And I felt like when that when that injury happened, it really humanized and normalized the whole situation into just the fact that we are humans. And you can see literally the life gets sucked out of every single person in that arena. It went from popcorn and expensive drinks to people throwing their hats down people crying i seen so many different sad you know negative emotions and it just showed me that like man just you know in the snap of a finger basically you could re- be reminded that or a leg no pun yeah, intended yeah or a leg yeah, being that, funny, yeah, but you, you, literally what happened uh, it was nasty you that was too good but yeah it was I like, said no pun intended. <laughs> back to what i was saying my Go point ahead. it was just you know one of them things where it just shows when an injury or something gruesome like that happens, no matter what side of the team you're rooting for, what right. part of the game you own, it, it, it took the life out of everybody. To see the players from the Brooklyn Nets instantly walk away grimacing, like I said, the fans, it became completely silent until the chance of Nurkic and, yeah. you know, trying to. But you even that, Nurkic. even that, I don't think he wanted to hear at the time. No, I don't, it was I don't that either. gruesome and yeah. that. And, even for me to see at the moment when it happened, about three seconds after it happened, he tried to sit up and look at it. Yeah. And I think that even 
Woo! It was just, it was hard to watch. You dang near could hear the snap from where we were sitting. It was just, it wasn't a good sight. And so that's really my take on it. It just reminds us that even in an environment like that where it seems as if nothing else matters, things could change in an instant, and it just shows that people do care. It's bigger than basketball. We're more concerned for you know, his future, his health, kind his well-being, of, yeah, his, well-being his, family, his mental, his everything, getting yeah. over that and being able to bounce traumatic. back because we all know, you know, generally a broken bone, it heals, but the trauma behind it and, you know, replaying that and, you know, it might, that might not heal so fast. Yeah. So that's what I got from it, man. Yeah. And my bad for the snap of a leg comment too soon, too soon. <laughs> it was good. It wasn't disrespectful. Right <laughs> I really it wasn't was just, trying to be, but it was yeah. like, it, it just fit, but it <laughs> might've been a little too soon. But um, if I had to really seriously paint the unfortunate picture that I saw being in that arena, um, initially, like when it happened, it was kind of a delay. And the reason why it was kind of a delay, because obviously I wasn't there for the horrendous injuries of Paul George and the horrendous injury of um, Gordon Hayward on the Boston Celtics. But I did look at those videos and I did rewatch this Nurkic video as well. Wouldn't recommend any of you do that, but I did. Um, but when you look at those injuries, you look at Paul George. Um, it kind of happened like in the open floor. He was coming back to play defense. It was kind of like a one-on-one situation when he yep. ran into the stanion, yep. but it was more so in the open floor. So it was like when you saw it, you saw everybody it. saw you it saw because it. it was really the only thing in the play or in the action that mattered. Um, you think about Gordon Hayward. His was coming off of an alley. We were watching that one. We were watching that game. Now we were watching that game live on television, yep. but we weren't literally at the game right. like we were here for this use of Nurkic injury. But if you remember that, there wasn't a lot of action happening in the paint, but it was off of an alley-oop. So clearly everybody's going to look at him go in the air, him land, take flight. It was just a little bit more open space on the floor. With Nurkic, it was in a lot more traffic, and Mm -hmm. you saw people in there really trying to get a rebound. It was really scrappy play happening Mm -hmm. at the time because the Brooklyn Nets only have two big men, Ed Davis and Jared Allen. And at the time, both both of those big men had fouled out. Mm -hmm. So Nurkic was already having a career night. You knew that just keep going to Nurkic. You knew the mm-hmm. action was going to really surround Nurkic mm-hmm. because there was nobody bigger than 6'8 mm-hmm. <laughs> on the floor Gosh. at the time, and he's a seven-footer. So you just really knew like Nurkic was the go-to guy. He was having a career night. All eyes were on him. So when it happens, I initially saw Nurkic laid out, but I think there was more of a delay in reaction for everybody. Um, first off, the referee. The referee, if you did rewatch kicked the video, up. he accidentally like was trying to walk by Nurkic and kicked his foot. Didn't even look back or nothing. Didn't no, look back was... or nothing. He didn't know. It was a delay in reaction. It was in traffic. Um, and then sitting in the arena, you could see him laid down there, but you still, at least from the angle we were, and we sat in the 100 section, so we, we had some pretty good seats, we had some but, good seats, but we were behind the opposite backboard, so you still kind of saw him laid out amongst the traffic, and I knew he was hurt, but it wasn't until I looked up and see, at they, the Jumbotron. They showed it so close. They showed it, but once again, 
I think the theme surrounding all this for the people that were live and at the game, it was a delay in reaction. I don't even think that the production crew really knew, knew the was, severity yep. of the injury. They wouldn't have showed that. They wouldn't have showed that. Yeah. So yeah. when you look up and you can just clearly see his leg on the jumbotron just like displaced. It was like it was like a L shape. It literally yeah. you, you could tell yeah. it was it was. It was bad. just it a was hanging broke. L coming from yep. his kneecap down. It yep. was just it was nasty. And not to lose your and, train of thought, but yeah. one more thing that caused that delay. It, now that you're, you're bringing me back. Right. One possession before, he got hit in the nose. Yeah. And he went he to sure the ground. Did. He got hit in the nose, yep. and he was on the ground right before. So we kind of thought, it, you know, it, it was might one have been of relative th to that exactly. injury. Exactly. Yeah, like, just got popped maybe in the he nose was by a little guy. You so don't know. Just to, you know, right. add that to your story. For sure, for sure. So when 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 this happens, and then I kind of look up at the Jumbotron, I think everybody kind of was like, oh, and then you see the Brooklyn Nets player run away, and it was just... A terrible feeling in the arena. Literally sucked the life out of the place. Um, it, it was just painful to watch. It was painful to be a part of. Like you said, it really normalized and humanized a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Like I tweeted it and I was watching it, and it even humanized things for me from a perspective. When I tweeted, like, oh, it was fucking gross, or yeah, whatever it was yeah. that I tweeted. Yeah. Um, my old athletic trainer at Pacific University. I seen the tweet. He I responded. Had a little we had. Me. He responded because he mm -hmm. was like, man, even as a personal trainer. This is my absolute mm -hmm. worst nightmare. Shout out to Eric Pittakin, great trainer. Mm -hmm. Somebody who I got to work with, obviously, while I was at Pacific. Still have a really good relation with him to this day. But, you know, even hearing it from his perspective, I usually don't think from that particular perspective in that moment. But with his response and what he told me, I was like, ah, that, yeah, I just can't imagine even in his position. So... For the trainers, for the players, for just everybody in the arena that had to literally live that moment, it was just an all-out sad moment. Fortunately for the Blazers, they were able to come out and finish the game and win the game, but everybody in the arena, including Blazer fans, Blazer players, I would imagine would have rather lost that game and not dealt oh, yeah. or witnessed or lived in that moment mm -hmm. than being able to come out to win the game. But they did win the game. Shout out to them. They were able to clinch a playoff spot because of it. But I do have a legit bone to pick with a lot of people surrounding mm. this injury. I didn't see that coming. I really do have a, a serious bone to pick. And a lot of it really comes just from a perspective of relativity. I can relate to an extent. Um, Seth Curry, not too long before that, I think it was in the first overtime. Are you saying about the blame game? The blame game. Oh, that's terrible. Seth Curry, the little brother of yep. Steph Curry, who yep. we all know is the superstar out of the Golden State Warriors. Um, he actually had a pretty decent game that night. He was the leading scorer at halftime. Yeah, he, 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 I think he might have finished with 20 as well. <laughs> um, he had a pretty decent game that night all around, especially having to fill in for somebody like a C.J. McCollum, who's also out with injury. But Seth Curry had an opportunity to pretty much ice the game. Um, he went to the free throw line. I think it was at the made end of the one, first overtime. And he made one and he missed one. And the miss was real close, too. I mean, it was, it was a close it, miss. Uh, it was a close miss. So now you see a lot of people online here in the city of Portland on the internet Seth coming out and saying, Heck, Seth Curry just made the free throw and closed the game out. We wouldn't be dealing with any of this. I've and, even seen it as crazy as if D'Angelo Russell would have made the buzzer beater. Like, come on, bro. The man shot from dang near half court. For sure. For sure. <laughs> right, right. But, and and But even more so, my problem with the Seth Curry 
argument in particular is that many of you know, we've already talked about it here, I play college basketball. And you might have heard me time and again come on here and brag about um, some of the accolades that I was able to get in doing so. I, I had a very decent career. Um, I, I was able to do some things many don't really get the opportunity to do within the sport. I'm very grateful of it, and God dang it, I'm not afraid to tell you I did it. Um, but I did have a flaw in my game. Wasn't a picture-perfect player. Free throws. And you know where that flaw was at? Free throws. At the free throw line. Free throws. Wasn't the greatest. True. Let's be honest with you. I truly wasn't the greatest. And when this whole situation happened, it was a double overtime game. And it really made me think back to a game that I played in in my senior year of college. Um, we were playing against Lewis and Clark University. It was at home. Um, we hadn't beaten them in like seven or eight years. It had been a while since we'd beaten them. And it was a great game. Ended up being a triple overtime game. I had a pretty good night that night. But what I'm getting at is there was a point in time in regulation where I had the opportunity to ice the game. And you know what? You went one for two. I went one for two. Didn't happen. I didn't ice it. So now we got one overtime. It ends in a tie. We get two overtimes. It ends in a tie again. Now here comes the third overtime. Game still close. Game still tight. And as time is not as time is winding down, obviously, but not like buzzer beater time, but like within yeah. the last minute of the game, um, there was a play. I get the ball on the block. I'm being double teamed, and I uh, take a couple dribbles to the middle of the paint. And I made a crazy acrobatic shot that really could have been called an and one, but it was just a crazy shot that I was able to finish over two defenders. And it was pretty much the bucket. We had the lead, but it was the bucket that pretty much put the, the game away. It the was dagger. the dagger. It puts the game away. And so I'll never forget this moment. I'm running back to half court. And as I'm really running back to play defense, but I get to about half court. And the Lewis and Clark coach calls a timeout. And so when I get to half court... Twist your ankle. No, I didn't twist my ankle, but I start stomping. I'm stomping real hard. And it was crazy because, like I said, obviously the game's lit. It's triple overtime. It was a big-time basket. The whole fucking crowd starts stomping like I am in the bleachers. Mm -hmm. You just hear the whole crowd stomping. Right. They're thinking that I'm stomping because I'm celebrating the bucket that I just made. Little do they know... I had the worst fucking cramp Crampy, in, my, in my calf yeah, that yeah, I've ever, ever. had yeah. in my life. Yeah. So I'm over here trying to stomp the cramp out, mm -hmm. and then you got the whole crowd just stomping, stomping, stomping. <laughs> it's not what we're doing. It's, it's not what I was doing for damn sure. So I got to hobble back over to the bench, have the yeah. trainer, that Eric Pittikin, yeah. stretch me out, give me a potassium pill, all this kind of stuff, because my leg is like locked. locked. Cramp, yeah, the know, calf locked yeah, up. I know what you're talking I'm playing about. in my third overtime, overexerting myself needed water needed water needed everything <laughs> dehydrated i'm cooked at yeah, this point cooked. now i say all that to say this fortunately for me it was just a cramp and it wasn't a moment where i snapped my leg it, it didn't happen that way which was very unfortunate but happened to Nurkic. but Nurkic is having a career game up until that point where this injury happened 
And if that unfortunate event didn't take place, Nurkic would have a memory or a moment in his basketball career similar to the one I had where he's having a career night. He had a big game. He's having a huge moment in his career. And the entire narrative changes. And quite frankly, if we're being honest, D-Boy, you and I probably don't mention Yusuf Nurkic here on this podcast. I don't, no, not even, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. We probably don't even mention even him. Career, career night, night no. Like we're well, not talking it. about Yusuf Nurkic on this podcast here yeah, today. Yeah. So I say that all, all to say that it's just an unfortunate happening of the game. It happens within, within the sport. It's not the first time we've seen an injury like don't this. Don't try to play coach. And it probably don't try won't to play be the last. NBA uh, analyst. Don't try to play none, none of, that. of that. It was none all how the game was supposed to go. It, Nobody was bigger than 6'8", like he said. Obviously, I'm riding with my seven foot, two hundred and eighty pound dog to finish the game. And, and obviously, if you're six eight and you're having to deal with this seven footer, two hundred and eighty pound dog that's having a career night, mm-hmm. you know what? You're playing a bit scrappy. You're mm-hmm. you're playing yeah, a little right. bit dirtier. Yeah. Um, just because you kind of have to, not because you're a dirty player. We've seen him take some right. blows. You right. Know what I mean, this right. was just really he ultimately stepped on somebody's foot the wrong way. 280 pounds going one way, foot going the other. Yeah. It's bound, you know, for a bad situation. He's got a lot of players under him. They're all under him. He's, hey. he's huge. They're 6'8 and him, less. Oh, mama's prayers but up to him. Prayers up absolutely prayers up to him. I really hope that. I, I like his game. Yeah, I think he's for a, sure. We talked about Good before the player. injury. I was I was siding with him, saying yeah. I think he's in the top third of the league. You said that's not saying much, but it's a lot of talent right now with big guys. I'm we, not we, saying that's not saying much. I just didn't I thought know you said I that at the game. You no, I just didn't agree that he was in the top third of the league. I think he's. I think he waddling somewhere in there. At the end of the day, like I said, yeah. I see enough of yeah. his game to know that he's, nice. he's an effective, he's nice a big man. And I've you covered know? enough of him to know that as well. But yeah, yeah. like I said, don't sit here and play the blame game. Don't blame anybody. It was an unfortunate happening. Um, like you said, absolutely prayers up to Yusuf Nurkic. Prayers up to his family. Prayers up to Blazers fans. Damn it, prayers up for us, because we had to sit there and See, witness yeah, it yeah. live. No, and I'm not being yeah. funny. Again, yeah, I, when I, I say that, it was that, like to go to sleep it, and it wake was. up thinking it, about that. It was bro. on oh, my mama. mind heavy yeah, and has been was. since Thanks. Monday night. Facts. It's Wednesday night right Facts. now. And that Facts. picture still isn't out of my head. Mm-hmm. So prayers mm-hmm. to everybody. And like I said, if you decide to go watch it on wherever, Just social media, YouTube. It's hard to watch. It, Matter of fact, if you go watch it, I'm not giving you no prayers because we sat here and we told you it's hard to watch, which <laughs> means want. don't watch it. If you want to be crazy and go watch it anyway, I'll I ain't praying for you. Go watch it. <laughs> but D-Boy, now I got to take this thing a whole different direction. I want to ask you a question that has nothing to do with basketball, use of Nurkic, sports, anything like that. But do you have a favorite rapper? Mm, mm, mm. You don't have to say who. You can just say it's a yes or no question. I have a favorite rapper. You have a favorite rapper? Right. Well, I do too. And in fact, I got a favorite list of rappers. And you know what? Shouts out to you. You're on that list. Cool. I'm glad to be there. And I think it's respectfully so. I don't think it's just because I'm your brother. For sure. Absolutely. But you're not the favorite rapper that I'm getting ready to talk about here on this next segment. I didn't think so. So keep it locked. Next up, (laughs) I want to tell y'all or talk to y'all, I should say, about one of my favorite rappers. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. And we're back. And as I mentioned to y'all before, I'm sitting here with a rapper. Um, I got a list of favorite rappers. I probably got one personal favorite rapper, but definitely got a list of some favorites, uh, of some favorites then and now. And um, D-Boy, maybe it was Monday, same day as the game, or was it yesterday? 
that you sent me an article about one of my oh, favorite that was rappers. Two days ago, Monday. Two days ago, so mm-hmm. Monday, same day of the Blazer game. Yep. So a couple days ago, um, I'm at work, I believe, and you send me a text message of an article, and as I mentioned, it was about one of my favorite rappers, and this rapper goes by the name of Big Sean. And Big Sean has come out recently on this week, really, really that same day that you sent me an article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's come out and discussed, you know, some of his mental health issues and some of the things he's been dealing with personally. He and took to uh, Instagram platform. Took to Instagram. Yeah. Use this Instagram platform. So if you want to hear it, you can go there and listen to it. And you'll see what it is that Big Sean had to say about himself and where he's been mentally within the last year and where he is now as far as his mental health is concerned. And D-Boy, you were obviously interested in it. You're a rapper. You do music. Um, I'm pretty sure you could probably relate in some ways. Obviously, for me, knowing what kind of a climate and society we're in today, I mean, heck, we do a podcast. We're into these kinds of things. And you also knew that I would easily bite the bait to talk about this on the podcast <laughs> I knew because of my fandom for Big Sean as an artist. Yeah. I think he's really one of the best. I and would put your him take up there. To, you know, uh, what you call it too? Your take to a uh, mental health yeah, issue. I work, yeah, I work I in think, that environment. I, I mean, think both of them combined are spitting this into you. Absolutely. Sure. I work in that environment. So that's why I said all the way around, like, it was fitting for me from a music perspective, from a cultural perspective, from a, a mental health yards. perspective, just all the way around. You knew that it would be relative to me in a way that I would want to discuss this here on the podcast. And obviously you want to discuss it here as well. Right. So really what I want to ask you for starters is just kind of what you felt about what Big Sean came out and said, what you felt about what you read in that article, whether you can or cannot relate based on the position that you're in currently as an artist? What I think really, I think that it came down to, um, first of all, of course I could relate to some of the things that he talked about. Um, Let me back up a little bit. I know that over the past year or so, me and you have had a couple of conversations and I know me and Alexis have as well where we like, man, where Big Sean been at? It's sure. one of our favorite rappers. I For think sure. he always puts together quality projects. We know he's a hit maker as far as singles are concerned. I can name a few, but I don't think there's no need to right no. now. I I just, I was wondering where he was at. For him to be at the top of his game, to put out such good music and good records and all of that kind of stuff and just go kind of disappear, I was wondering what happened and why. Right. And it ended up coming down to the fact that He came out recently and said that he has some mental health issues that he was dealing with. And not to disagree and say that it's not mental health, but I think that I I, I don't think we overuse the word mental health. But I think some of this stuff is more just personable things that we all go through as human beings, for real, at some point or another within our lifetime, for real. And so I think. Some people call it midlife crisis. Some people call it all these other things. Some people call it mental health. So I wouldn't say I could relate from a mental health issue aspect, but I feel like it literally was things that I felt like from a personable person that, you know, that that just I could relate to. And it was more so things like becoming so busy or so attached to, you know, living your dream, chasing your dream, being busy, whatever the fact that, you kind of lose these genuine relationships with people that you that you really hold dear to your heart that right. really means something. And what I'm talking about that's, that stuck out to me, which I have a great relationship with my mother, and he apparently does too, but he said he even stopped talking to his mom as much. Yeah. And that, 
I was like, I could feel that. You know what I mean? I try yeah. not to let too much time go past without calling moms, pops, grandparents that I still have left and all of that. And it's just like, yeah, we get caught up so much in everyday life and like I said, chasing our dream, living our dream, aspiring to do more and be more that we in the living the dream studio. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's that literally your life. Exactly. Your business, your brand, all everything. That. <laughs> so even in the midst of all that, we kinda lose sight of what really makes us the happiest. And it's kinda it goes back to the things where even when we're in a negative or a bad position, I don't know about you, but talking to my family helps. Yeah, for real. Talking, for sure. just knowing that assurance, they still got my back. Yeah. They still there. Like, that means something. Absolutely. And so... We just went back to California. And, and it's and always it super breath, dope. Exactly. It's always a breath of fresh air. So that's the part where I mean more so from a personable level, more so than mental health. I uh -huh. can't speak for exactly what he was feeling and how he was feeling, but I felt that. And I also felt it from a, a personal, independent level. He was so adamant about self-care and self-love and i think more first of all a lot of the artists that i do like is deeper than the music we could agree he makes some good music but i like artists that i feel like i would like to hang around soak up some of that same energy yeah i've talked about it before with people such as wiz khalifa where i put him in some of my top artists and they'd be like why but on a personable level I, i'm a fan yeah. so with big sean i just think he has some of the same values as I do, and I think we get caught up helping and trying to help so many people. We can't save the world, and we can't be ourselves and be the impactful people that we are if we going through certain storms of our own and not taking care of it. Right. And I think that's that's where the mental health issue comes in when you let too many storms pass without taking care of it and addressing the issue until it becomes so much weight on your shoulder. Overwhelming. Where you just, overwhelming, where you just want to break down. You want to quit. You start questioning if things that you know are for you are really for you, such as he said music went from being a sanctuary to becoming a chore. It felt like a job. Right. And and it's been times and spurts where I felt like that. You see, some days I wake up just so gracefully happy because I just got some new news or something that happened. And then other days where I'm like, man, I, I can't even go to the studio today because I know I'm not going to be productive because my mind is not in the right place. So right. I just thought it was super dope to, once again, to be reminded on that personable level that these are human beings. These are People, we get caught up in the fame and the stardom and wishing that we was like somebody and in positions as other people. And you don't realize sometimes that they go through just as what we do or worse. So yeah. that that's what I took from it. And that's what I could relate to. And that's just my ultimate opinion on it. For sure. Now, let me start off by saying and giving my take that I am in no position to say that everything that Big Sean said wasn't true. Um, that the feelings that he mentioned that he had and what you kind of talked about here and given your take and your perspective on things, that they aren't real. Right. Um, because quite frankly, there's only one mind that I know and it's my own. <laughs> yeah. Fast. I can't sit here and tell you everything that's going on mentally for Big Sean, for you here right next to me or for anybody else. So I will never sit here and say that. I will say this. And I hate to say this. There were a few things that I was a little bit critical and skeptical of. Not having to do with his actual mental health. It was having to do with his announcement of him 
having and dealing with these mental health issues. And a lot of the reason why I am critical in this kind of a way, music and I'm out. thinking about it in this kind of way, is because of what you've pointed out to me before. It's always a story before the music come out. Always a story before <laughs> the music comes out. And he said that at the end. Not only did he say it at the end, <laughs> he goes through this whole spiel. Mm -hmm. He talks about how great his new music is going to be coming up. Oh, by the way, his birthday was yesterday. Yep. This just happened on Monday. Shout out to the legend. Rest in peace. It's the same day as the legend from his home city, Aretha Franklin. His birthday is, by the way. Right, right. And then he comes out and he gives us a sneak peek of one of his new upcoming songs. I couldn't help but be skeptical. Couldn't help. Couldn't help but be skeptical. And not even skeptical about the facts in it, but the timing. But the timing. The timing. Because to me, to me, I think what he had to say was very important. Him coming out and saying that he's dealing with and facing these issues, very important. I don't think that the message is as strong when you follow up with the music. I feel like the message would have been much stronger. And with going the status, the storm? Going with this, the storm? No, 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 no. Not going through the storm, but with the status of Big Sean, with the great artist that he is, with the popularity he has gained. Mm. Had he just come out and talked about this in the music, which I think he is beyond talented enough to do so, I think it would have had a much greater effect wow. than kind of, I don't want to call it a rollout, but you can call it a prepping, rollout. Prepping, yeah. Putting of, the light back on him. Of the light. Bringing the light back on him and using mental health issues to do so. Not saying he didn't deal with any mental health issues. I'm going to be honest, Just though. saying that it kind of watered things down for me. I didn't look at it like that. Because, yeah. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> Birthday, though. new music, the only same day as Aretha Franklin. Is because we live is in it a day, coincidence? We live in a world right now where I see people say, Stuff news from two hours ago is considered old news these days. With how fast everything is moving, on demand. You, it's you on are, demand. You are correct that it, it does look a little. I didn't take it like that, even though I'm the one that kind of brought to your attention before that this seems to always happen. Yeah, but I just I think that for somebody like Big Sean, he did have to do something. I don't I don't necessarily agree to, and I don't want to say use the mental health, but. He had to do something to shine. He had to have some kind of rollout. I don't think. I don't just, think so. I don't think with this day and age. I don't care if you big shine. Whatever you see, Blueface. He the most relevant thing right now in the world. And, and that's what I mean by we live in a right now era to where after a year or a year and some change. The last big hit I remember is I don't f with you for Duh. real. So with that being said, it's like he kind of had to come with something. But I get tired of the whole. Oh, uh, quite offset and whoever broke up and all. That's the kind of watered down stuff. And then Offset's coming out with a new album. Right, and that's all that. the kind of weak stuff. This is a little bit different in the sense that sometimes I think it takes to get through the storm or certain phases of the storm to pass before you even feel comfortable or feel that it's the right time to talk about it. So this was a little bit different. Listen. I always advocate for people to come out and talk about it. Right. I don't You're think just the I don't think that there was ever necessarily a wrong time to come out but, and talk about but this. But being things. a rapper, in I'm his more business, grateful. I'm more grateful that he did rather than he didn't. But based on the way things are now going, I don't want it to seem disingenuous to people who may think like me because I don't 
think he was being disingenuous and coming out and saying what he went through. Right. But I think it can definitely be seen as such by him coming out. And there are people out there that think, what do you know? He's got new music coming out. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I understand that news is fast and moves news moves on demand, but Big Sean is definitely a mega enough of an artist to where yeah, when he drops music, drop day, when sure. he drops music, the people are going to tune in. And not only that, I'm not sure if Big Sean is going to do any interviews or go on a press run, but if he does, I think it makes it even worse. Because if he is going to go on a press run, believe you me Listen. that plenty of people are going to come out and ask, hey, Big Sean, where have you been? But if being, we're thinking that, rapper, definitely everybody else being, out there is thinking that rapper, as well. Being a rapper, though, being in this business, bro, like, and you know just from being, like I said, I soak some things up from you to commentate and doing your sports thing and vice versa for me rapping. It's like, since since six, seven, eight years ago when people was flying me out to L.A. talking about signing me and things of that nature, what did they want? A story. They always want us. I didn't been asked, have you been shot? Because you're being from the Bay and Vallejo. We need some, like all kind of random stuff. So I know that in this business, it revolves around a team of people who are looking to create a story. So with that being said, I don't even necessarily think that it was, you know, disingenuine or that it's even something that's where it fully was him as far as the timing. Right. But I think that is some validity to what he was saying. I'm not questioning that. And I think that it probably did hold off for a little bit until they but felt the it was thing. the right time. And like I said, I'm not as mad at that because it literally is an explanation of why you've been gone for the time that you've been gone as opposed to we all, all of a sudden hear, oh, Quavo and such and such breaking up and now... Up album coming out or Listen, single coming out. So it's a little different because of the content. That's I agree. Involved. I would say that storytelling is the most effective communication in the world because stories last longer than a lifetime. And it's still going to be, we and, don't know that it's not going to be in his music. I think no, it's still going to be in there. I believe it's going to be yeah, in his music, sure. but that's my thing. I believe that it's going to be in you his music. Just and that. I believe that storytelling lives beyond our lifespan can ever be. I think it's the most effective way of communication that exists today. I'm not mad about what people want, but what I'm saying is when you're somebody like a Big Sean, not D-Boy who they want to try to create something out of your story. Somebody like Big Sean is already big enough and already prominent enough to where his story through his music, and he's talented enough to where telling his story through his music is not only going to be relatable for folks and feel very genuine for folks, but it's going to sound, it's going to be easy on the ears. It's mm -hmm. going to sound good. It's going to sound like music that you want to hear, even if he wasn't talking about this relatable subject or mental health issues, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So for me, I like I said, I'm not saying that he didn't go through these things. I just think that Big Sean is creative enough, he's talented enough, and he's cognizant it. enough to where I personally don't think that he should have came out at that time. But like I said before, when it comes to these types of issues, there's never necessarily a wrong time to come out and speak on them. Right. I encourage people to come out and speak on Whenever them. The but for somebody right like him, I, I don't know. I, I believe him, but I, I just didn't like the connection of being able to criticize him in this way based on my fandom of him and who I believe Big Sean yeah, is yeah. and, and the mean, talent that I know he obviously has. Obviously, that's, that's, you know, that's your opinion. opinion yeah. for sure. And, uh, for sure. That's opinion. And facts is that 
We all wish him well. Absolutely. I hope the 100%. best for him. I'm glad that from a reader's perspective, it seemed like he's toward the end of that storm. So I'm glad yeah, that he for sure. has surpassed And from that. watching his videos and right. seeing what he said, I believe yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, and, I, and I'm looking forward to the music. So Absolutely. shout out to Big Sean. Absolutely. I'm still a huge fan. Out. I'm glad it was clarity for me as to where you've been. And uh, <laughs> right. yeah, I'm looking forward to the new music. For sure. So next up, we're going to finish it off with our Taking L segment. Y'all keep it locked. This is the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. So we gave you all the winning formula today on how not to play the blame game um, when it comes to injuries in sports, um, in particular use of Nurkic with the horrendous injury that he had. Once again, we're praying for him. We were there live for the injury But we see a lot of people coming out and playing the blame game, blame Seth Curry in particular for making one out of two free throws. And I just personally don't think that's okay. It's a part of the game. As I said before, not the first time we've seen a situation like this. And unfortunately, probably won't be the last. Um, We also gave you all the winning formula on, I believe I at least gave you all the winning formula on being cautious of when you come out and saying things. Um, (laughs) I don't want to discourage anybody on when they should be able to come out and speak on whatever it is their issues are, whatever it is their issues are, or being able to release whenever they feel that they need to release. But to me, just try to be thoughtful about it. Um, Not saying that Big Sean wasn't, but I'm just saying there's people out there that can think that uh, this was a rollout for him putting new music out. Mm -hmm. Um, You just wanted to make it, you just want to make it feel as genuine as humanly possible. Um, But I think D-Boy also gave you kind of the winning formula on being able to tell you guys, and Big Sean as well, obviously, because that's what this message derived from, on taking care of yourself. Really uh, be in tune with self-care, be in tune with um, what it is that you're intaking, what it is that you're doing. Make sure that you're okay before you can be able to fully go out and help somebody else. Um, Just, yeah, have fun with life. Uh, don't turn hobbies into chores, all that good stuff. I think there was a good message there, and there was a winning takeaway from that if you do decide to utilize that in your own life. But now we got to get to the point where we got to talk about who took an L this week. So, D-Boy, are you ready? I'm all the way ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who took an L this week, man? Who took mm, a loss? Mm, before I say can I tell you something? Go ahead. This is not like the donkey of the day where you have to do something stupid or no, no, whatever no. to take an L. I want to make that clear. Absolutely. Because what I'm about to say might surprise some people, and we did touch on it slightly earlier. Not even slightly. We touched on it a lot earlier because we was there. But the Portland Trailblazers took an L this week. And yeah. I couldn't help but it's so many things going on. But I'm going to tell you why. If the playoffs were to start today... Portland would be playing the Utah Jazz. At home. At home. I think that they can beat the Utah Jazz in a series. I think that that's I think that that's a reasonable series. Right. I think that, that Fully can healthy. that can yeah, full, exactly. Then they would be seeing the winner of Denver and OKC. Once again, fully healthy. I think you got a battle with OKC. You got Paul George and uh Westbrook, and then with the Blazers, you got C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. I, I'm not mad at seeing that matchup go down. And then, like I said, with the big man, you got Nurkic in there. What, so they, they still got Steven Adams? 
On OKC? On OKC? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that matchup, too. Yeah, for sure. So, once again, I think that... Paul George, though, man. No, Ooh, I get it, but I'm just saying, with Damian Lillard and CJ, I, I'm down for them to go up against pretty much any backcourt as well. They they ain't scared of the Warriors' backcourt. So, yeah, but Paul George is having a career year, too. Wow. And, and, and that's just more testament to the fact that Nurkic still got some light at the end of the tunnel. He still got hope, because... Technically, Paul George has looked a little bit uglier. We was just there for Nurkic. For sure, for sure. But um, knowing that the big man presence is not going to be there and how valuable it really is, like I said, I go to a lot of games. He's a strong part of that glue. He's even a strong part of Damian Lillard's success with that high screen and pick and roll situation that they run. Yeah. It really opens up a lot for the absolutely, Blazers. Absolutely, absolutely. So with all due respect, the loss of Nurkic was really a loss. That's that's a big yeah, L, and I think it changes the traje- the trajectory of the Blazers' playoff chances. I think they had a strong chance to go to the conference finals, wow. and uh, you know, without without Nurkic, big time take. That's a big time take. But I'm I'm just looking at the way that it's set up. I think, like I said, they have a chance to get past Utah, and they have a chance to get past Denver or OKC with the full healthy roster. Not with a labored C.J. McCollum and with an out Nurkic. So that's, that's not much to look forward to in the playoffs. That's an L, Portland. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, you 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 went the sports route on the take and L segment, so that means I'm going to go ahead and take it to the culture and go the cultural route when it comes to to, to who taking L this – two took an L this week. Who Tongue took twister. an L this week? <laughs> hey, now, say Tongue that. twister, but, um, yeah, <laughs> back to the task at hand. Um, as you mentioned, I'm glad you made the statement that this isn't like donkey of the day. This isn't a situation where we're necessarily trying to embarrass people. Yeah. And <laughs> I do want to make clear though, that doesn't mean that you won't get embarrassed in this particular segment. Oh, you will. And you probably have you before. Will, but... and, and it can go there. But it's so, not that route. But that's know. not yeah. kind of our goal out of this thing. For me personally, especially, I like to look at it as, it's taking L's, but Wisdom we're teaching. also talking about how to turn that L into a lesson, how yeah. to turn losses into lessons. Or not to make repeat mistakes. Right. If somebody else right. do it, learn from that. Learn Don't from that. that or, or if you didn't hear about this story that happened over there, mm-hmm. but you listen to this podcast and we're the ones telling you about this story, maybe you can relate, but you had no idea that that story existed out in society. Like I said, storytelling to me is just the most all-out effective way Valuable. of communicating. Um, but for me, unfortunately... I got to give an L to Cardi B. Um, I don't know if any of you all have heard about what happened with Cardi B, but there was an Instagram Live or something like that that resurfaced um, back when Cardi B wasn't living the life that she's currently living today. And she was talking about some of the things that she's done, Uh, one of those things being... Um, when she was a sex worker and working in that world and in that field that she used to drug men and rob them. Oh, hell no. Yeah. I didn't see or hear about that. Yeah, it's 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 out there. Um, she 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 definitely talked That's about crazy. it. She, yeah, she made it was, she made a post on her Instagram surrounding it and agreed, um, admitted or what? She admitted. It but was her for sure. But, it was but a- yeah, yeah, no, she had, I mean, it was a video. She couldn't deny yeah. it. But um, basically just saying how she's a changed person, how she's trying to be a better person, how she's not proud of what it is she did, et cetera, et cetera. 
And we all know we're in this culture. There was a hashtag out there going around. Um, we all saw, or some of us, many of us saw the docuseries surrounding R. Kelly um, called Surviving R. Kelly. There's a hashtag going out there saying Surviving Cardi B. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, like I said, all around it's unfortunate. Uh-huh. And the reason why I'm saying she's taking L, L the L. reason why I'm saying is she's taking an L is not because I'm trying to be judgmental of what Cardi B did, but obviously it did happen. And what it sounds like from the post, although I didn't necessarily agree with some of the things said in the post, I'm not even going to get into all of that right now. But from what it sounds like is um, she know that she took a loss in that area of her life by partaking in those actions. And she's currently trying to turn that loss and kind of the negative stigma surrounding what it is that she did into a lesson right now. Right. So right. that's why I, w- I even brought up the whole deal of turning losses into lessons. Obviously, what she did wasn't right. She admitted that it wasn't right. I'm not here to be judgmental of it. Um, but it was a situation where she turned a loss into lesson into a lesson. Hopefully, has anybody um, ever made a song or album called "Losses into Lessons"? I don't know, but I you like can. That. I, I like that. <laughs> so, Y'all yeah. tune in and tell me before I look uh, yeah. like a biter, because I like that. Uh, yeah. and I might take it from design. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but you can. <laughs> but this was just one of those moments, like I said. It's unfortunate. I'm not going to dig real deep into my opinion on things, on some of the things that she said. But it did happen. She did admit to it. Unfortunately, she's got to take a nail here on the Wake Up and Win podcast. Doesn't mean she can't turn it into a lesson. And based on the post that she posted up on Instagram today, um, I think she's kind of proclaiming that, yes, she did turn that negative and that loss in her life into a lesson. Um, and she's not proud of what it is that she did, and she's been hiding it, yada, yada, this, and yada, yada. And to all you listeners, don't be hypocrites. If you sing it on R. Kelly and you boycott R. Kelly, <laughs> do the same for Cardi B. <laughs> I'm not going that far. I didn't say that. That came out of the mouth of D-Boy LTD. I did not say that. I repeat, I did not say that. Um, But he did, and I didn't. And I'm sticking by it. And he said that again, and I didn't say that again. But on that note, D-Boy, tell him where to find you, what you got going on, what you got coming up. I know you got shows, all that good stuff. Let him know where you're at. Social media, at D-Boy LTD with an I, not a Y. LTD, like living the dream, the studio that we in right now. Uh, We got a show coming up. I got my first headlining show, my first Portland headlining show. I did a successful headliner in uh, Eugene, and I did one in Corvallis. So now it's time to bring it to the big market here in Portland and turn it up. So April 6th, we will be at the Hawthorne Theater Lounge. 8 p.m. April 6th, I'll be he- co-headlining alongside Mike Capes, which making a lot of noise in this Northwest area and beyond, as well as bringing my folks from the Bay out here. We got Maniac Flame, who just dropped a project called Adversity. He coming out here for a show since then. We got my cousin, my family, my relatives, uh, young Alfie and T. Weez coming out here. Shout out to T. Weez for just having a baby, too. He just mm-hmm. dropped one, so... Uh, you know, with that being said, April 6th is going to be a lot from the Bay to PDX. Let's do it. Let's do it. Y'all all know where to find me. Uh, Pounce underscore station. Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, you can find me on Facebook. We'll definitely be pushing this week's episode here this week. We're glad to be back. I know we were gone for a little while, 
but we ain't go too far. We are here. We are back. And uh, keep it locked. Keep rocking with us. Give us all the feedback that you got. And we still are leaving the only way we've ever known how to leave. And that is to stay woke and, and go, go win. win.